Hi, I'm Mark Crawford. This podcast is powered by my friends at Magnuson Ford. It's hard to beat a Magnuson Ford deal in Abbotsford and online at magnusonford.ca. I'm much too fast to take that test. Change it. That's what people wanted today. They wanted to see some changes in Vancouver. They did not get this. And while the weather says it is 9 degrees and raining outside, it feels pretty hot in this city right now after the lack of activity at the deadline by the Vancouver Canucks. Thanks for joining us this evening for a trade recap special or trade deadline recap special. Some people are calling it the no trade recap special here in Vancouver. Craig Button of TSN is at the hub of Trade Center activity in Toronto this evening, and he joins us from out east to talk some Canucks and much, much more. Craig, thank you very much for doing this. Always a pleasure to have you on. How are you tonight? I am good, Scott. Thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure to get together with you. As you can imagine, there is a lot of anger. There is venom among the Canucks fan base. Are they entitled to that after the lack of activity that happened today? Well, I mean, I guess entitled. I'm not going to tell the fans what they're entitled to or not. I mean, it's a, it's a strong fan base. It's a fan base that loves their Canucks. But, 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 but I'm going to say this. I mean, you, you look at the situation. You look at where the Vancouver Canucks were when Jim Benning came in and certainly uh, a lot of excitement surrounding the Canucks and the changes they were making because, you know, they were, they were a team that needed to, 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 have some, uh, to have transition going on. Now, you know, you, you look at the trade deadline, and I, I don't know what people expect, and, and, and I say this with all sincerity. So Dan Hamuse had a full no move. He, he limited his options to very few teams. So now you limit yourself to very few teams, and now that, that, that gives Jim Benning a, a very small uh, group of teams to work with. Uh, Ch- Ch- Chicago falls out for, for different reasons, and now you're left with Dallas. So, you know, Depending on we, we know what uh, Calgary was able to get for uh, Chris Russell, but that's not saying that Jim Benning and the Vancouver Canucks shared the same view on on Yerky Yokipaka. So sometimes it, it, it's not about oh look what they got, why didn't we get that? Jim Benning may not have cared for Yerky Yokipaka, and you know when you start to look at, at at anything beyond that, I don't know what else he he could have traded. I mean, Radom Verbata isn't a very good player. Radom Verbata, you know, is a player that you know with the with the cap hit that he that he has, and and teams that are perhaps looking at that type of player can't can't afford that on their cap. And you know, you're not trading Chris Higgins, you're not trading players that have cleared waivers. So I really don't know what the uh, Canuck fan base was expecting, but this is a team that's trying to transition to becoming a younger team. They're, they've added in some younger players into their group, and it's going to take some time because you, you don't just snap your fingers and say, okay, let's, uh, let's get younger and young players are ready to play and ready to contribute. And uh, as, as disappointed as they were, I think that expectations might, get, might be a little bit unrealistic going into the trade deadline, and I think we saw that around the NHL where teams are uh, not willing to throw around draft picks like uh, M&Ms and, you know, b- being up against the cap, you know, prevents teams from uh, 
you know, maybe uh, doing something that they otherwise may have contemplated. Well, I think here's where the frustration comes from. Dan Hamhuis has said he wants to come back to Vancouver, so the Canucks fans were of the mind they could have their cake and eat it too, that they could get Dan Hamhuis back potentially. I mean, maybe not for sure, but potentially in the summer, but that he had said he'd go to Dallas. Dallas was interested. And so the Canuck fans we've been hearing from all afternoon are saying, find a way to get something done. You got nothing done. Yeah, but, but, but what's something to find something like, you know, Jim Benning gets a fifth round draft pick for Dan Hamhuson says, well, look, I, I got something for him. People are going to be disappointed about that. Like there's nothing wrong with having Dan Hamhuson. Keep in mind that again, like we look at what, uh, uh, the the Dallas Stars were willing to surrender. Doesn't like again. Doesn't mean that they they may have valued Chris Russell higher than uh, Dan Hanius. We don't know that. Uh, so, so when you start to look at uh, you know and whether you know they may wanted to take on less money with the Chris Russell contract and dumping out Yoki Paka. There's a lot of factors that go into this. So yeah, you can say you got something, but I don't think, I'll be straightforward here, I don't think you can look at the trade deadline and be in an uproar. I mean, this, is, this has been about transition. This has been about trying to move your team to becoming younger. Uh, you know, Ben Hutton has come into the lineup. Buchanan is getting some games. McCann is getting games. And, I, and you know, you, you, I don't think that the deadline defines a general manager. And I think that Jim Benning understands what he's looking for in terms of transactions. And, you know, people can say, well, you, you, you need to get something. I'm, I'm not so sure that's the case that you could have got something. It comes to a head on a day like trade deadline day with a guy like Dan Hamus, but you mentioned some other players like Radham Verbata, Chris Higgins, Brandon Pruss is a guy who's toiling in the minors right now. Is it a fair criticism to say that the Canucks have been slow to move or slow to forecast on some of their assets? Well, okay, so but 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 Chris Higgins, you know, wasn't was inherited by Jim Benning, so. You know, like that's not him. I mean, he traded for Brandon Prust because he was trying to make a, an exchange of money with Zach Cassian, who who pretty much was a disaster in my uh, in my view. Uh, I mean, it didn't turn out to hurt the Canucks because Cody Hodgson didn't turn out to be any type of a, a, a of a prospect or a player. So you know, you're trying to move out money, you're trying to take on a chance and 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 whatnot. But I mean. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think Jim Benning recognizes what the team needs to be. But again, I'm going to say this. You don't just snap your fingers and get young players ready to play. You don't just take uh, a draft pick and fast forward them to the NHL. It takes time. It takes patience. It takes development. Because the Canucks didn't get into this spot overnight, and they're not going to get out of it overnight. Craig, again, from a lot of the listeners we've had and a lot of those who have called in, what they're frustrated with is that they don't feel like they have enough hope for the future, that they don't see a great direction with this club as far as doing what needs to be done to get this team back to being something that they can be hopeful of. How long do you think that process will take with what you see in Vancouver right now? Well, it takes time. I, I mean, there's no other way to put it. It takes time. I mean, yeah, you, you know, I look back and you, you, you know, like people were just—I don't know—disappointed that that might be not be not might not be the right characterization. But Dave Nonis, you know, uh, I, I mean, he could have fast forwarded the process and he, he he said, "No, I'm not trading Ryan Kessler, and I'm not trading at the time Alex Hedler, and I'm not trading Mason Raymond." And you know, you go fast forward and you think about the Stanley Cup run in 2011, Game Seven. Well, it's because Dave Nonis had the stones 
to say, no, I'm not doing that. And quite frankly, the previous management group didn't do a very good job. They didn't do a very good job at all. So who's not forecasting? Jim Benning or the group before them? Because I'm going to put the blame and the, and the accountability for what's on the ice and what's in the system now on, on the previous group. Jim Benning's been in the job for less than two years, and while fans can think that, oh, yeah, well, you know what, you, you, you should get this, you should get that, you know, it's fantasy for the most part. It's not reality. You know, reality is rooted in understanding how the salary cap works. It's understanding about where your young players are at in terms of their development. And, and again, it, it, it doesn't matter just because you, 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 you might not see where the young players are at right now. They got two outstanding prospects and that's your Demko and Brock Besser, who I feel are, uh, you know, two of the, two of the top 20 players outside the NHL in terms of prospects key position goaltending, which could help in the transition down the road. And, and then you have Brock Besser, who's an elite, to me, goal scorer. And, you know, you add Jared McCann and you, Brent, Ben Hutton now turns pro. I mean, it, it, again, it, you don't just snap your fingers and have this happen. And I, I think that fans have to be two things. They have to be realistic and they have to be patient. You mentioned the patience, and you brought in the world accountability as well. And you said, look, a large chunk of this accountability for what's happening right now falls in the previous regime. As a guy who's been in that seat before, Craig, at what point during Jim Benning's tenure does it fall completely on him? Well, I'm, I'll be straightforward with you. I, I, like, I mean, unless he's absolutely falling on his face and, and, and running players out of there, I mean, the, the clock starts ticking when Jim Benning took the job. We're not 24 months into his tenure. And, and, and again, like, uh, people can think that you can get this and you can get that. The reality is, is the marketplace dictates in terms of what, what people are willing to pay and what people aren't willing to pay, and it depends on the player. And just because, like I said, just because somebody thinks Dan Hamus is going to fetch this great return doesn't mean the teams that, that are in the marketplace feel the same way. And, you know, Jim Benning's trying to do it. He said it today. He said, I, I would make a trade if I could have, if it made sense for us, but it didn't make sense for us. I, quite frankly, unless the general manager's falling flat on his face and looks like he's totally overwhelmed, I, I, I think it's at least four years before you can start to make a hard evaluation on, uh, on Jim Benning. And, you know, to, to start doing it less than 24 months into his tenure, I, I don't think that's realistic. There's rampant speculation that ownership may have not nixed a deal, but gotten in the way of a deal getting done between Dallas and Dan Hamus. Again, that's speculation that Trevor Linden and Jim Benning have both denied. Have you heard any rumblings of the sort? Well, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to go straight to two people. Uh, I know Jim Benning very well. I, I know Trevor Linden, and I know what Trevor Linden stands for. So if they say that there's no truth to it, it's good enough for me. Craig Button of TSN joining us this evening, talking trade deadline here on the TSN radio network. Let's talk about some other teams in the West. As far as what was done today and teams that did make moves, is there a particular team in the Western Conference who jumped out to you as having significantly improved its chances? Uh, you know what? I, I, I would say that Chicago, to me, uh, remains the, the favorite in, in the West. Uh, uh, L.A., to me, they're a good team, but they didn't really do anything with respect to where you go, oh, boy, that's a, that, that's a significant trade, but they may not have. Uh, uh, Anaheim, you know, I thought they made their trades. Uh, they made their key trade when they acquired uh, uh, David Perron. I mean, it has been seems to me that he's really jump-started 
uh, uh, Ryan Getzlaff and, and, and the return of health of their defensemen uh, has really been a catalyst, too, for their play. Uh, you know, St. Louis, Nashville's playing well, but, but, but I don't see a team in the West that's really better their position. I, I think when I go to the uh, East, I, I, I like what the Rangers did with respect to adding Eric Stahl. I think that he fits in uh, with better insulation with the Rangers. And, 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 you know, when you're thinking about the, the best team in the East, which I think is the Washington Capitals, I think they've positioned themselves to be a little bit better suited to give them a goal. I mean, they got a good goaltender. They have 36 wins, which is a very underrated 36 wins in the league. So uh, other, other than that, Scott, I, I don't see, you know, teams, you know, basically how they're constructed. That's how they're going to have to go in and compete for the play, in the playoffs. But I don't think anybody came close to doing what the uh, Chicago Blackhawks did. I was impressed with what Anaheim did, though, in terms of getting a few guys who can help them in a deep playoff run, though. And I thought the Jamie McGinn deal in particular was a very good move for Anaheim. Yeah, no, and I, I, you know, in fairness to that, I, I agree with you, Scott. And, you know, and, and they moved out Maroon. Maroon was just a player that just wasn't able to, you know, find a level of consistency uh, with the Ducks. He, I mean, he was given ample opportunity uh, in, at, at multiple times in his tenor there. And he, and he showed some flashes uh, of, of being able to, to hold his own and, and to contribute. But they were too far and few between. And so I think the McGinn acquisition was good. I mean, Brandon Peary gives them a little more offense coming out of the bottom of your lineup. And, and, and I think that's a pretty good one. So, yeah, I think that Anaheim did well to, you know, potentially uh, push themselves a little bit further along. But I, I, I think the, the road in the West uh, – to the Stanley Cup final goes right through Chicago. Yeah, I think a lot of people agree with you on that one. You are a an Alberta resident, so which team in your home province did a better job of selling off today, Calgary or Edmonton? Well, I, you know what I would say is about Calgary. I mean, uh, I mean, I thought the return. I think Yoki Packer really fits in nicely with Hamilton, Giordano, and Brody. So I think that that's a nice complimentary piece for them. You know, they, they weren't going to resign. Uh, Chris Russell, not at the dollars, or, or so it seems. Yuri Hoodler was definitely not coming back, a real subpar year. And so a second-round pick for him was really good. But for the Oilers, I, you, you know, Peter Shirelli, you know, is just starting. I mean, uh, you know, you, you move out uh, Purcell, you move out Schultz, you get some draft picks. Uh, he talked about getting bigger with Patrick Maroon. You know, it's one thing to be uh, – I always say it's one thing to be tall and to have size – it's an entirely different thing to use it to your advantage. And so Patrick's going to have to prove that there. But this is just the beginning. And when I say just the beginning for the Edmonton Oilers, uh, there's going to be some pretty uh, significant change there. And uh, we haven't seen the beginning of that. But I think it's probably uh, a lot of the seeds have been, play- have been put into place and planted. And uh, I-, I think come draft time, we're going to see a lot of uh, – a, a lot of moves around the league, but I, I think that would be the time where we're going to have a better idea where to evaluate the Edmonton Oilers. And to me, the Calgary Flames, likewise, they're going to have to shore up their goaltending in a significant way. That didn't happen today, so we're going to have to wait to see uh, what Brad Trey Living has going forward as well in that regard. You want to talk about movement. You are in the hub city for it as far as the Toronto Maple Leafs go with the amount of moves they have made. Are you as bullish on the way they have torn that thing down as many people around the league seem to be? 
Well, I mean, we talk about bullish. I mean, uh, like, he, he, here's the way I look at it. I, I, I think, uh, you know, to get the wrecking ball into place uh, is one thing. Uh, to, to make sure that you can, uh, you know, tear it down in, a, in an effective manner. Uh, I think Blue Lamarill did a fantastic job with, with getting the draft picks. But the heavy lifting starts now, Scott. They had the, the, the serious work starts now. Because you can have all the draft picks in the world, but, you know, how are you going to go and how, how are you going to use the draft picks, not only in terms of who you select, but, you know, are, are there other players out there that you can package draft picks uh uh, four to, to, to acquire. I mean, there's a lot of, and, and tonight's lineup for the Toronto Maple Leafs is a good example of that. They drafted William Nylander eighth overall. Uh, they signed uh, Shoshnikov as, as a European free agent. Uh, they traded for Zach Hyman, uh, who was a late round, well, mid round draft pick from the Florida Panthers, who seemingly weren't going to sign him. And then they, they get Casper Kapan and a first rounder in the trade for Phil Kessel. So there's a lot of different elements there in terms of how you evaluate it, pro scout, uh, well, European scouting, uh, a, a later draft pick. So they're going to have to use these draft picks, you know, the second, third, and fourth round draft picks. You know, that's where, that's where, the, real, that, 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 that's where the real rewards are. I mean, you're expecting them to do well in the top three, four, five picks, and, and, and everybody should. But what are they going to do with the six picks they have in the second, third, and fourth rounds? That's where you can make a significant difference for your franchise going forward. But Lou Lamarillo has provided the ammunition for the scouting staff. They'll have to be paying attention to Craigslist. I know folks in Vancouver will be because they are already looking forward to the lottery. Believe you me, Craig. I know it's been a long day, a long week leading up to this. Thank you very much for your time. I always appreciate the conversation. Yeah, I love the conversation. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Craig Button of TSN joining us, and he is preaching some patience, and he is on the other side of much of the vitriol, if you want to call it that, that we are hearing from Canuck Nation. He is saying Canucks fans should calm down a little bit, that Jim Benning's hands are tied to a certain degree, and that just because one deal went down doesn't mean the Canucks have could, could have made a similar deal. So Craig's saying, look, a bunch of this is on the previous regime. you got to give Jim Benning time. Got to give them some patience in Vancouver. I'm guessing most Canucks fans don't agree. He did bring up a couple of names in the conversation that I know are salt in the wound. For Canucks fans, based on what happened today, I will tell you which names those are next, and we will open the phone boards back up, 280-1040, 1-844-TSN-1040. Trade deadline day. Your thoughts, your reaction, it's coming up next. The MLS season is ready to launch as the Whitecaps welcome the impact for a Canadian clash. Whitecaps FC, Montreal Impact, Sunday at 2.30 on TSN 1 and 3. The Langley Events Center is proud to host the 2016 BC Secondary School Girls Basketball Championships presented by TELUS. This Wednesday to Saturday, the junior, double-A, and triple-A girls teams will all be hitting the hard court looking to win a provincial title. This is one of the largest amateur sporting events in Canada, so get out and cheer them on. That's this Wednesday to Saturday at the Langley Events Center. For more details, visit bchighschoolbasketballchampionships.com. The hometown advantage. You can see it in that new shop down on Main Street, in the office downtown, the factory by the river, and the farm down the road. It's because of people like Reggie in finance and Ruth, the paramedic. Keisha, the designer, has it. 
and so does Orlando the nurse. They live around here. They care about this community. They work hard to succeed. And that makes a difference. At VancouverJobShop.ca, we're proud to work the hometown advantage. We work it around the clock, connecting local employers and local job seekers with local jobs they're good at, jobs they deserve. Post your job today and search a database of resumes to find, select, and hire the best local employees. Employees who live close by, close to family and friends, close to home. That's the hometown advantage. VancouverJobShop.ca Local jobs that work. Travelocity presents A Little Wisdom from the Roaming Gnome. It's possible to explore Paris, Venice, Rio, Cairo, and New York City in one evening. All one needs is a ticket to Vegas. Wise travelers get up to 40% off featured hotels this spring. Visit Travelocity.ca. Wander wisely. Savings based on featured hotels on Travelocity.ca. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to ship freight hassle-free, you need SphereOneLogistics.com. As a global logistics company, Sphere One offers all modes of transport and will customize and implement a realistic shipping solution that will make your life easy and save you money. Their primary goal is to help clients become more competitive through reducing their transportation expenditures. In fact, recently, Sphere One saved a client 45% on their shipping costs. Get results with Sphere One Logistics, your one-stop global logistics solution. Learn more at SphereOneLogistics.com. Breaking news. Phoenix Industrial is putting hardworking construction professionals back to work. Ironworker positions to fill immediately. If you or someone you know is an ironworker that is ready to work, apply to careers at phoenixindustrial.ca. Positions are filling up fast, so email careers at phoenixindustrial.ca now. Now, here's the Community Sports Bulletin. On TSN 1040. On April 2nd, join hundreds of participants at the Richmond Olympic Oval for the workout to conquer cancer. It'll be a full day of indoor group fitness sessions led by top fitness professionals. This fun event is being held in support of life-saving research at the BC Cancer Agency. Full details at workouttoconquercancer.ca. Gear up for the Vancouver Sun Run presented by Blue Shore Financial on Sunday, April 17th. Canada's largest 10K road race is fun for all levels and all Ages. For more info or to register, visit VancouverSunrun.com. And the BMO Vancouver Marathon happens May 1st, and there's something for everyone. Sign up for the full marathon, marathon relay, half marathon, 8K, and kids fun run. Registration is now open at BMOVanMarathon.ca. Got a nonprofit amateur sporting event that you want to promote? Let us know. Visit TSN1040.ca today. This is TSN 1040 Vancouver, and you're listening to Scott Rintoul. If you're going to play the game, boy, you got to learn to play it right. You got to know when to hold up, know when to fold up, know when to walk away, and know when to run. You never count your money. When you're sitting at the table, there'll be time enough for counting. When the dealing's done. Well, the dealing's done now. Time to count. Canberra, had we thought of this in advance, we could have had you dye your hair and your beard white. You could have done a mean Kenny Rogers impersonation in here tonight. I don't know if the beard's long enough anymore. I trimmed it too early now. Kenny Rogers, back in the day, had quite the short beard. You could have pulled it off, buddy. You could have pulled it off. Canberra. 
conducting things this evening on our special trade deadline recap show. Phone lines are open right now at 280-1040, 1-844-TSN-1040. Our coverage is presented by Cyclone Taylor Sports for over 50 years. The best service, the best selection, and the best hockey gear for less, a lot less, at Cyclone Taylor Sports. Most of you want to talk Canucks. I understand why you want to talk Canucks. I will not prevent you from doing so. I would like to remind you of our poll question tonight. Brought to you by Craftsman Collision. Who had the worst trade deadline? Brooks Like, who, as I mentioned, went from the hottest team in the NHL, the team that most consider the favorite right now to win it in Washington. Part of that has to do with their easier road. Others would say Chicago. But, again, Washington looks like the favorite in the East, if not the favorite in the league. Brooks, like a career capital, other than being drafted and playing one game for Ottawa, gets dealt to Toronto. How about Patrick Maroon, who goes from the Anaheim Ducks, who've certainly turned things around, Sonny SoCal, team that looks like it's going to contend in the West? He's off to Edmonton. Or do the Canucks have the worst trade deadline any guesses as to where most people are voting? You can cast your vote as well at tsn1040.ca. You can always tweet me at Scott Rintoul, and the phone lines are open, 280-1040-1844-TSN1040. Mike and Langley, you've been waiting the longest. I will reward your patience. Thank you for the call. All right. Well, it's time for me to go off. The worst trade line deadline is Craig Button. Is the complete joke why you have a guy who's a complete failed GM on for 20 minutes, and he has the gall to rip a guy that took the team, an actual hockey team, to almost to the Stanley Cup, and he's a failed GM that he hasn't been hired for, I don't know, 20 years? He's way off the mark, and it's an embarrassment. And because a lot of these insiders, there's some really good insiders, Scott, but a lot of them, it's, oh, it's their friends. Says, I'm a friend of Jim Ben. Well, right there, cut him out, boom. You know, ask him about the prospects. He's probably good at that. But don't get him on talking about stuff like that because it's just, it's an, it's a, it's, it really embarrasses the station, embarrasses you guys, and it, it really, you don't need that kind of stuff. Mike, right? by that rationale, but by that, Mike, but by that rationale, we can't have Tony Gallagher on. Right, because he's a well, he's a friend of Mike Gillis, and and he was clear on that from day one. So you would have had Tony cut out for six years. No, I, I disagree. Because okay, okay, the good point. But I I would say that Tony favors Mike Gillis, but he will also um, rip people, you know, apparent uh, as well, right? And so, anyways, fair enough. Okay, you want you want to? Uh, I can't really answer that. So uh, you got a good point there. But Martin, let's get back to the thing here. Sure. Today is GM one hundred and one. Right? We, got, we all agree that, right? They blew it today. My original point was two years ago, I said Mike Gillis was a B-plus GM. I don't like Mike Gillis. I don't, I don't care. I don't even know the guy. But based on his record, he was a B-plus. I said that at the time. And I said, be careful, guys, that whoever you're going to get in has to be better than a B-plus. And that is very hard because it's a very competitive out there. And clearly, these guys, Jim Benning, has been nowhere near that. He's been like a C, C minus, if that. And it's not to be unexpected, Scott, okay? They're not qualified for the job. He's simply not qualified. Trevor Linden, nice guy, not qualified. No presidential experience. Like Jim Benning, not qualified. Pat Quinn, lawyer. Mike Gillis, lawyer. Brian Burke, lawyer. These guys, you're going up against guys that are way over Jim Benning's head. Nice guy, good scout, not qualified. Willie DeJardin, 50, you know, 55, he never got a shot, right? How, how, what's the odds of missing a guy for that long? Not qualified. And the final point is, you're wrong, Scott, because you said that the Canucks were, don't really believe 
um, that they were that a, a playoff or trying. No, you're wrong. All their actions, or a lot of their actions, Jim Benning and the way they've been coaching the team, has been believing that they could make the playoffs. I'll give you one quick one, then I'll go. Jim uh, playing Ryan Miller so much, Botch has made this point, over Markstrom. If they honestly were developing their players, they would have played Markstrom even with Miller. There's no reason not to play him even with Miller. His, his performance was easily as good, and it was better for Miller. But why did they play Miller so much? Because they believed, and Jim Benning said, there was a 100-point team. That's, you, you can't go against that, Scott. Okay? This, this management team believed they were better than they were, and they got their hands tied by in my opinion, they made, and so thanks, guy. Thanks for the phone call tonight, Mike. You had a long run there, and we hashed out the which guys we can bring on the station, which guys we can't. I guess the point I was making there, Mike, is that if we cut ties with everybody who had any type of interpersonal relationship with people in the hockey world, we wouldn't have a lot of people on. Everybody knows somebody. They've known some for longer. Bottom line, we got through that. There are different points of the year. Now, Jim Benning may have come into this season with optimism, but when he lost Brandon Sutter for an extended period of time, when he lost Dan Hamhuis for an extended period of time, when he lost Alex Edler for an extended period of time, Brandon Sutter again, there are different points along the way. So what he may have thought on day one might not be what he thought in December. And once he saw the team play, and every team come early October is hopeful of what it can be. I will defy the odds in some cases, or will live up to potential in other cases. You don't think Edmonton thought they were going to be a hell of a lot better than they've shown this year? They didn't expect to be the worst team in the West, I can tell you that. They had designs on moving up that that ladder, but they're not. So at some point, Peter Shirelli admitted, well, this is what we are. Jim Benning doesn't think that this is a playoff team. I can't believe that for a second. The Miller-Markstrom debate... I will argue with you on that because part of developing players is only giving them so much leash. Coming into this season, at what point had Jacob Markstrom earned the right to start half the games this year? He hadn't. He had a sparkling AHL resume from last season, from a number of seasons ago as well, but he didn't have anything at the National Hockey League level on which to base playing him a lot. He has earned more playing time throughout the year. I absolutely agree with you on that. Absolutely agree with you on that. But to suggest that Jacob Markstrom had done enough by going on a a run to the Calder Cup that Comets eventually fell just short in and putting up great AHL numbers last year, to suggest that all of a sudden he's ready to split duties for sure? No, you got to find out for yourself at the NHL level because... Jacob Markstrom had been given opportunities at the AHL level, and they hadn't worked out. Thanks again for the phone call, Mike. Andy and Canlos, thanks for the call, Andy. Go ahead. Hey, how's it going, Sky? It's going well, man. Good. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, like many people, I'm obviously pretty disappointed by today. I expected nothing, and I'm still let down. But uh, I'm, I'm not surprised Rabada didn't get moved. I mean, he's had a bad year. Uh, a little surprised about Ham Hughes. I don't know whether I believe or not. Uh, that management played a part in it, but or sorry, ownership, I should say. But let's say for a second that ownership did indeed play, play a part in it, the rumors are true. Do you think that the uh, rumored feud between Dallas and Vancouver's ownership had something to do with that, why, why, it, why it all fell through? I personally don't believe that that would cause it to fall through, Andy. But 
I don't know the two groups as well as some of the others. But personally, no, I don't think that would because it's a better business decision to get assets in return. Yeah. Well, it felt to me like, yeah, I mean, you're pretty much like, I don't know. I mean, I'm on the fence on whether or not something is better than nothing. But like, say, for example, it was a third round pick. I mean, and say, for example, you could resign Hamus in the summer. Why would you not just take that pick? I mean, it feels like it's almost a free pick. Uh, somebody made a point to me that um, Benning doesn't want to look weak in front of other GMs and, and you know, take the lesser pick. And because of that, other GMs might look at him like they could steamroll over him and give whatever. I don't know if maybe that's a valid argument or not, but at the end of the day, it still feels like we could have gotten something. And if you can get a third round pick for Hamus and you know, he's going to resign you in the off season, why don't you do it? Thanks for the phone call, Andy. And I think that's what a lot of people are arguing as well. And that is the other side of the equation that you don't want to present a situation where all of a sudden you're willing to just be scrambling and grab anything. You can argue either side of it. I know which side most of you are on. You're on the side that Andy just called from and saying, look, you needed to get something for Dan Hamhuse. I think the Canucks needed to get something for Dan Hamhuse today. I think there was a point along the way where they could have gotten something for Dan Hamhuse and something more significant than a fifth or sixth round pick. It didn't happen for whatever reason. I don't know how much to believe as to the rubber stamping of the deal that was quote-unquote in place, depending on which report you hear. But we've had a couple of people presented as they've heard rumblings that there was something close. If it wasn't done, it was pretty close between Vancouver and Dallas, and that something held it up. Now, you can be speculative one way or another. You can say, I buy that ownership said no way. It's more plausible to me that if ownership did, in fact, play a role, and again, it's all speculative at this point, it's more plausible to me that it was along the lines of see if we can get that offer up or that suggestion. Again, it's all speculative. Who knows? Maybe when the Canucks paused for a second and went to get the deal rubber stamped, Dallas went, well, if we're going to give this deal to Vancouver, why don't we get the guy we wanted all along in Chris Russell? That's also plausible. You're free to believe whatever you want. I choose to believe that there was a point today where the Canucks could have, had they made a step in a different direction, gotten something done, they chose not to. So that's on them now. Only they know the details of all of those discussions and what could have been. Jerry and Delta, thanks for the call, Jerry. Yeah, hey, Scotty. It's been an interesting day, that's for sure. But a couple of points I just wanted to make about Mr. Hanhus. Um you know, I know that he wants to stay in Vancouver, and uh, to his benefit, I mean, that's that's what it is. It's his benefit and, and whatever money he takes for it. But uh, this team is supposed to be rebuilding with youth and moving forward. And this is the problem is that if you listen to management talk about that, how is him at his age moving forward and the Sedins and the players like Burroughs and the people that they have, how is that moving forward and getting younger and trying to take the next step uh, if they re-sign him, uh, you know, he's one more year older, and uh, how much longer is he going to be at the level that he's at? And I'm just wondering what the value would have been. And to not get anything for a trade for any of their players the way they went, uh, you're saying you think that uh, Benny Maxey did a good job, or maybe oh, you're no, not no. saying that, but no, I'm no, saying some say people that. are saying that he did a good job. But I don't understand because I would have thought by now they would have had done enough homework before the trade deadline to know what they could have gotten and done their homework because he said that he's done a lot of the drafting stuff. And it appears that he hasn't because if he had of, he would have done more moves faster than what he has. 
Thanks for the phone call, Jerry. Appreciate you weighing in. As far as Dan Hamusen trying to move this thing along, you can't go completely young in every single position. And with Dan Hamuse, as far as a re-signing goes, it's all going to depend on dollars and term. There is a contract out there that I think most Canucks fans, even though they want to see Younger incorporated into this lineup, would be fine with because of the mentor aspect, because of the teaching guys like Ben Hutton aspect. I think at a certain number and a certain term, Canucks fans are okay with that. They don't want to see the gas in the tank run out on their watch. I'm I'm not going to suggest there's anyone out there who's going to say, give Dan Hamu six more years and the same contract. No, people, if Dan Hamhuis re-signs here, are going to want to see a hometown discount. That's what they're going to want to see. And they're going to want to see a term that seems palatable to them as well. You talk about what's out there, moving this team forward, getting younger. Just remember what the market is at times for certain positions in the National Hockey League. The Canucks made a free agent signing on defense this year, right? They signed Matt Barkowski. That's younger than Dan Hamhuis. That's less money, less term than Dan Hamhuis. I don't think anyone would suggest that's a better option than Dan Hamhuis. Do they need to get younger on the blue line? Do they need to get better? Absolutely they do. You can't do all of that overnight. You can make steps along the way, but you can't do all of it overnight. And yes, Jerry, I am in agreement with you. I think there was a deal to be made that didn't get made today. It's unfortunate, and maybe it's a deal that should have been made three days before this so that it didn't come down to the 11th hour. Maybe that's the case. And I brought that point up earlier. That maybe that is another area you can criticize the Canucks over the last number of months. That they didn't act proactively. That they tried to play the market and it didn't work out. We've got Jordan in Surrey. Thanks for the phone call, Jordan. Go ahead. Oh, is it Jobin? Pardon me, Jobin. Go ahead. Hello? I misread the phone board, Jobin. You're up. Go Um, ahead. Hi, I'll keep this short and quick. Um, Dan Hamus is a class act and I mean did you see the way he handled that absolutely I've seen um, every step of the way yeah that was unbelievable and unforeseeable but I'm not surprised that no moves were made by Jimbo I mean I don't believe in Jim Benning I don't believe what he's selling this is ludicrous because the way they do this the more fans you're going to lose every dumb decision they make it's another playoffs we miss thank you very much for the phone call not a fan of the management group that is currently in here that is Joban AJ in Vancouver thanks for the call AJ you're up, AJ. Go ahead. Hey, Scott. How are you doing today? I'm well, man. Thank you. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I just want to make a quick uh, comment about two things. When when uh, this manager took over, the Linden and the Benning, when they took over about a couple of years ago, they gave all the fans the illusion that, you know, they're going to rebuild, you know, and stuff like that. And the last two years have been really, really a headache for this, you know, watching this, two, uh, this team. And I don't know, you know, I think I might refer to a Gillis era, to be honest, because Gillis really had a plan, and he got us to the Stanley Cup. But if you're going to tell us that you're going to make a rebuild and you're going to bring a new coach, you're going to have a new president, you're going to have a new GM, I think you should tell, be honest with, with the, uh, your fan and tell them that, you know what, 
we're going to shake things up. It will take us about five years, something like that. And from there on, we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to take you guys to the family cup. But the thing is, and you have a guys like, uh, trading guys like Dan Hamhuis, who is, he is a leader. I'm already, you know, really hurting from uh, trading Kevin Bieksa because that guy was also another leader. I don't think we should trade our leaders at all. I think we should keep our leaders in. And if we're going to do rebuild, build around them and let, let them teach the young guys. All right? I'm going to hang up and listen to your comment. AJ, I understand what you're saying about leadership, but as leadership ages, there's only so much of it you can keep around. They have to move some of the veterans on. They simply have to do it. Or else, by the time they get these youngsters to a place where they can take over, I mean, all of those veterans aren't even able to play anymore. So you got to move some of the old out. You can't stay status quo the entire time. In fact... This organization, since 2011, did not do enough to move parts of the nucleus. It did not do enough. It left too many parts of what went to 2011 in place too long. That's part of the problem. That's why it's such a stark transition that's going on right now. As for the construction, they made it clear there was going to be construction. It just perhaps isn't the plan you wanted to hear. Last call of the segment, Don in Bella Bella. Go ahead, Don. Oh, hey there. I uh, just wanted to throw in a couple of things here. Um, you know, these no-trade clauses are really great when you lure a player on to sign on with you. But in the end, in a lot of cases around the league, it actually handcuffs you. But uh, I sure wished uh, in the last, uh, 20 games or so we use a lot of our uh, youth on in our system but uh, and in closing here I'm really hoping we have twin towers at our next training camp in Padan and Triamkin thanks a lot thanks for the phone call Don I'm sure plenty of people would like that to all work out as well lots of you sounding off this evening we'll continue that in the 9 o'clock hour Many of you have referenced what he said today. Well, you'll hear it next. I'm sure some of you didn't have the chance because you were at work. He's still here, and he's actually happy about it. Find out why next on TSN 1040. Here's what's on at the LEC. Catch the best in boys and girls high school basketball at the LEC. The 2016 BC Secondary School Junior AA and AAA Girls Basketball Championships presented by TELUS start Wednesday and run till Saturday. March 9th to 12th, it's the BC High School Boys 1A, 2A, 3A, and 4A Basketball Championships presented by TELUS. And this Saturday at 7, the Vancouver Stealth look to win their third in a row at home against the Buffalo Bandits. Visit LangleyEventCenter.com. You love hockey, right? And the best place to catch every game is at your local match eatery and public house. All season, you can catch every Vancouver game on the big screens with $4 sleeves of Bud and Bud Light. While you're there, you can win great prizes every game like official jerseys and more. And at the end of the season, you could win a trip for two to the finals. Just visit your local match eatery and public house to enter. Find a match pub near you and get all the details at matchpub.com. The MLS season is ready to launch as the Whitecaps welcome the impact for a Canadian clash. Whitecaps FC, Montreal Impact, Sunday at 2.30 on TSN 1 and 3. 
Hey, it's BMAC here for BC Children's Hospital Choices Lottery. Here's what the bottom floor of the High Point Estates Grand Prize Home contains. A full bar, a wine room, sauna, gym, pool table, professional poker table, full soundproofed media room with a 96-inch projection screen, hot tub, and a fully furnished one-bedroom suite. That's just the downstairs. Check it out at bcchildren.com. For tickets, call 604-692-2333. 19 plus to play. Know your limit? Play within it. How Bell makes faster, better. Right now, millions of Canadians are relying on Bell, the fastest mobile network as ranked by PC Mag, which lets them be the first to buy tickets to the latest Teen Sensations concert on their phone. The first to upload that amazing game-winning shot. And with access to Canada's largest LTE network, they can do it from... to... Visit a Bell store for details. Bell. Network speed just got better. The hometown advantage. It's up and down Main Street. It's also in the office downtown, the factory by the river, and the farm down the road. That's because most folks who work here love living here. They care about this community. They work hard to succeed. And that makes a difference. At VancouverJobShop.ca, we're proud to work our hometown advantage around the clock, connecting local employers to local job seekers. Post your job today on VancouverJobShop.ca. Local jobs that work. The hometown advantage. You see it in the shops and offices downtown, in our factories, schools, and farms. Jet the accountant has it. So do Corey in IT and Amber, the vet tech. They found local jobs at VancouverJobShop.ca. It's where local employers find local workers like you, people who care about this community. Search jobs and apply online right now. Get the advantage of finding a job close to home at VancouverJobShop.ca. Local jobs that work. Hello? Hi, honey. Are you close to home? Yeah, I'm just around the corner. What's up? I just got a notification from Alarm Force with a flood warning. Can you check the basement near the hot water heater? Oh, wow. I hope everything's okay. Yeah, I'll check and give you a call back. With Alarm Force notifications, you can keep an eye on your home even when you're not there. Sensors for flooding or low temperature can let you know when a problem needs to be checked. Call Alarm Force today. Call 1-800-267-2001. Alarm Force. Curtain Blog Radio. I was watching the game alone because I like to be alone when I know something bad is going to happen. I figured something bad was going to happen in that game. Hey, it's Mike Alford. And Jason Bruff. Remember us? The Curtain Blog? We're back. Well, that was awkward. Anyway, we are back every Saturday, 3 o'clock on TSN 1040. Curtain Blog Radio with Mike Alford and Jason Bruff. Saturdays at 3 on the home of the Canucks, TSN 1040. Hey, man, are you a little bit scared? This is TSN 1040 Vancouver, and you're listening to Scott Rintoul. Thank you very much for joining us this evening on TSN 1040 and the TSN Radio Network. Recapping the trade deadline. Which has Canucks fans infuriated, which is why the Canucks are leading our poll question right now. Brought to you by Craftsman Collision. 76% of you believe the Canucks had the worst trade deadline. Worse than Brooks Like, who went from Washington to Toronto. Worse than Patrick Maroon, who went from Anaheim to Edmonton. No, 76% of you are going hometown on this one. You're going with the Vancouver Canucks, who did not find a way 
to get something for the cards they had to play, which, of course, you all know were not played on this day. The biggest card, of course, Dan Hamhuis, the one that would have brought the best return. The Canucks did not get a return that they felt was commensurate with what Dan Hamhuis should have been to them. And you can make your judgment as to whether the Canucks overplayed their hand and should have gotten something, anything in return, or whether or not it sends a stronger message by retaining Dan Hamuse and saying, we're not just going to take scraps at the end of the day. Somewhere along the line, the Canucks had an asset to deal. They could have dealt it. They didn't. Or they should have dealt it. And they didn't. That's my opinion. Whether that was three days ago whether that was a week ago, whether this process should have been started earlier, whether it was somewhere in that room today where they had something that they could have pulled the trigger on. I think they should have moved this asset. That's my opinion. Some of you disagree. Dan Hamuse, he's pretty happy to be staying here in Vancouver. It's what he wanted all along. He had a couple of places he was willing to go, gave the Canucks the power to negotiate with those teams said he would waive to go to Chicago or Dallas. He did not practice with the Canucks today, but he did make his way down to Rogers Arena. He held media availability, and he talked about what this whole process has been like. Certainly things have, yeah, it's been about a week of kind of going through this. And, um, you know, I'm very grateful for how the Canucks have um, handled this situation with with me um, throughout this week. Um, They've been... uh, you know, very respectful of, um, you know, the position I have with, with my contract and um, have given me the time I needed to process decisions uh, because it's it's been, you know, tough. It's not just a decision for me. I have a family that I need to consider. And um, so, you know, last week we, um, you know, they kind of asked what I wanted to do and I was, you know, I said, hey, I'd like staying here would be my number one priority i would love love to stay and and continue to stay um beyond this year as well and um so we we made that known and then you know it was um i think it was last week monday that they they said hey just let you know there's a couple teams that have called and that was chicago and dallas and um what would you consider about that and you know at the time we had our minds you know, really set on, on being here in Vancouver. And um, so we took probably a day and a half and, and considered that and considered the opportunity and weighed that with uh, the sacrifice on the family. And, um, you know, we thought that uh, we would open the door to, to that. And, um, you know, on, on Wednesday, we we opened the door to, to Chicago and, um, and then on Thursday with, with Dallas to see if, um, you know, something could be done with that. And, um, you know, kind of since those two days, we've been... It, was, it felt like it was, um, we, were, we were just kind of waiting and seeing, seeing if, if something would happen. And, um, and then it yeah, kind of came right into this morning and ended at noon. And were there, were there other teams that, that expressed interest that you declined to go to? Like Boston was mentioned today, uh, Pittsburgh. Um, there were, were a couple teams that uh, showed interest um, from the Eastern Conference and um, – that was something that we had talked about and was just going to be difficult to do geographically and for family reasons. We wanted to stay, uh, keep our options in, in the Western Conference. So had Jim been able to broker a deal with Chicago or Dallas, Dan, you were prepared to go? Yes. Are you hopeful 
now that this is all passed, that you can hopefully re-sign here with the Canucks? Or do you want to wait until July 1st to go down that path? Well, it's, uh, I think, you know, getting getting through today, wherever this took us, was, was a big step. And, you know, that's something that we'll be looking at now, I suppose, on the business side of things is... Um, you know, from now to July 1st, it would be, uh, you know, we'd certainly entertain the idea of being back as a Canuck. We've, uh, we love playing for this organization. We love playing in this city and, um, you know, and have, have no reason to, to want that change. And um, so it's, it's certainly something we'd be looking at. And, um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. You were open to the trade possibilities on Wednesday or Thursday. Um, are you surprised that uh, nothing was able to get done? Because your name has been mentioned with those two teams f- since then, certainly. Um, yeah, I kind of expected that something m- might happen with, with those teams because, um, you know, I think they reached out and it wasn't that I gave them. I suggested those teams that we, I, I believe that Trevor and, and Jim received interest from from those teams, and so I kind of thought that uh, you know something may get done, and probably more so um, in those first two or three days that um, we let them know. And um, as time went on, maybe it felt a little more unlikely. But then again, coming to today at the uh, with the deadline, uh, you never know what can happen. In, in any way exercising your right, which you had uh, with, the, with the no movement clause, uh, does it damage your chances of coming back here in, in the summer? Uh, do you think any of this blowback from the fans or, or the fact nothing happened today will come back in your direction? Um, well, the no movement clause was something that you know we earned and paid for and negotiated into this deal six years ago, and um, you know I I felt that. You know, I didn't want to completely handcuff the Canucks, and um, you know, I was able to be open to to a couple teams. And you know, it's um, whether you consider it unfortunate or fortunate, a deal wasn't done, and uh, and this is where we are. And um, you know, my my hope going forward is I can add to be a value to this team. Um, you know, I felt over the six years I've done as much as I can to be the best player I can be and also be as a good of a teammate I can be and, and make this organization as good as it can be. And that's um, a focus that I want to continue. And, and right now that focus in this stage and current circumstances of the Canucks really seems to be um, toward developing our young players and uh, on and off the ice and help them to become good pros. A couple of things there. Dan Hughes receiving blowback from some Portions of this fan base I find laughable personally because there was a faction out there today, and I do believe it's a distinct minority. Certainly what I have seen on Twitter, what has come into the email inbox live at tsn1040.ca, those of you on the phone lines have been overwhelmingly supportive of the way Dan Hemhus has handled himself in this whole thing. Even though most of you wanted him to be traded to see assets coming back, a lot of you believed he would still come back here and re-sign. There has been... Again, a distinct minority that has said Dan Hughes should have opened the doors to a number of teams. It should have been bigger. Personally, I find that laughable. I think that's your hope if you're Jim Benning. I think that's your hope if you're a Canucks fan because that can help facilitate a deal. But he's under no obligation to do that. Under no obligation to do that whatsoever. And... 
You look at a guy who got traded with a bigger contract and with less teams singled out. Eric Stahl moved to the New York Rangers. That's where he wanted to go. 28 other teams, no thanks. They found a way to get that deal done. They found a way to get that deal done. So, blaming Dan Hamus, to me, off base. Off base with number of teams that Dan Hamus should have put on his list. Gave a couple of options. Gave options that were interested in him, as he just detailed there. He also mentioned he thought things were going to get done earlier. He actually thought things were going to get done in the first two or three days because those were teams that had called the Canucks, had said, we'd be interested in Dan Hamhuis. Would he be interested in coming back here? And once he gave the green light, he thought something was going to get done early. And that's what Jim Benning and company has to deal with tonight and for the next few days as they think about this. And I understand what they're going to say publicly and what they have to say publicly. I get it. You present a strong front. You stand strong with your convictions publicly. But Jim Benning, either he's having second thoughts or he's looking back over the last few days and thinking, you know, I wonder if we should have been a little more aggressive. I wonder if we should have been a little more aggressive with Chicago when they first came calling, before they got that Andrew Ladd deal done. I wonder if we should have been a little more aggressive with Dallas to try to put something in place right then and there and say, look, this is your best chance to get him. Let's do this. Or maybe he's thinking that as the days went by over the weekend or in the hours leading up to the deadline, there was something that could have been done. He was on the station earlier. He said, look, wouldn't have handled it any differently. But Jim Benning knows all of the details that we're not privy to that many of us are speculating on at this time this evening. You'll hear from Jim Benning next. You'll also hear from somebody who was pretty shocked, like many of you, that nothing was done. That's next on TSN 1040. Hi, I'm Mark Crawford. This podcast is powered by my friends at Metro Ford. It's hard to beat a Metro Ford deal in Port Coquitlam and online at metromotors.com.